Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester with Mike Tagliere as always, and today we're joined by Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus. You can find us all on Twitter at BobbyFantasyPro, at Mike Tagliere NFL, and at Jeff Ratcliffe. And today we're going to be talking about which players we expect to move up our draft boards uh, before fantasy drafts get underway in August. I think Jeff is in the top tier of guests to discuss this because he is always among the most accurate experts. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. Always glad to stop by, especially when there's less than 90 days until the start of the NFL season. It smells like fantasy season, baby. I don't know what that smell is, but it smells like it. <laughs> it smells like I'm about to get really, really busy, right, Tags? Oh, 90 days. Under 90 days. I didn't even realize we're that close, but it kind of just goes to show how fast this offseason's flying by. And it's like, you know, we've never left football. You know, we're here gathering this information where it's like, we can't wait till it comes back. But I can't believe that we're now under 90 days. That's pretty awesome. But Bobby, I do have something to share with you that from this weekend that I promised I would do for a certain four-year-old. So I had some friends over this weekend and um, one of my buddies, his son, KJ, walked over to me and he's like, hey, I got a bone to pick with you. And I'm like, this kid's four, right? He's almost five. And he's like, he's like, I want you to, to mention to Bobby on the podcast that I'm mad at him. And it, it was he was mad at you for talking bad about Mitch Trubisky. He said that's his favorite player. And oh, uh, he listens to the podcast with his dad. And uh, he wanted to let you know that he was really upset that you brought up uh, that you said some mean things about Mitch Trubisky. I don't know what to say to that. I mean, I'm, I mean, I respect the kid's opinion and everything. I'm not going to put him in my top 25 fantasy QBs, though. Sorry, man. It's going to happen, Bobby. And that's, I mean, I'm sure Jeff would agree with me on this one. Bobby's way out of line when it comes to Trubisky and his lack of enthusiasm. You were the number one highest expert on Trubisky out of all 45 guys who have listed on our site tags. You are out of line, buddy. Hold on a sec. So before we get into this, Jeff, what side are you on? Trubisky and your rankings, would you have him as a top 25 quarterback? I do. I'm pulling my rankings up right now. Where do I have him? I have him at 21. And and I'll tell you why I have him there. I think that in some ways he has a chance, maybe not not the the heights that we saw last year, but to be this year's Jared Goff. And and again, maybe not a back-end quarterback one, especially down the stretch like we saw to Goff, but what McVay did is he put Goff in a in a system that's almost a spread system, and that's what Goff played. It's the closest to a spread system you're going to get in, in the NFL level. You're not going to get a true spread, but Goff played in a spread system in college. He was much more comfortable in that system than he was the previous year. Of course, a year under his belt in the league as well helped, and not having Jeff Fisher as his head coach also helped. But then you look at Matt Nagy. What is he going to do? He's going to come in. He's going to install this West Coast offense that has made uh, head heavy use of run pass options, which is something that Trubisky used a ton at North Carolina in his one uh, full season as a starter there where he was very comfortable. So you have that in place. It's It's an offense that isn't necessarily going to rely on Trubisky to just have to sling the rock around the yard all day long. And he can run a little bit as well. So I, I think it's it's completely reasonable to say he's a back end quarterback, too, uh, with a higher ceiling. I agree. I like his ceiling. I just, I can't fathom putting him over Eli Manning with Odell Beckham coming back, Saquon Barkley now, Andy Dalton, who's always been a top 18 fantasy quarterback, Blake Bortles, who's always been a top 13 fantasy quarterback. I mean, we're talking about some guys who have done it for so long. Uh, I'm just not willing to trust Trubitsky over them quite yet. No, I mean, it, I understand your concern, and it's fine. It was the same concern. Bobby, you and I had a bet, actually, last offseason that Goff wouldn't be a top 25 quarterback, and I was on Goff's side. Yeah, I also used him in week one DFS, and you laughed at me about that, and I won some, some good money on that. <laughs> and that's, toot, always, toot. that's good. Yes, that's always toot, a good toot. thing. <laughs> but, but real quick, though, uh, here's the thing. 
even if I'm ranking him at 21, I'm not drafting him. I mean, how many quarterbacks are really getting drafted? I always say, take your starters and then, uh, you know, take half of those added together. And that's about how many quarterbacks you can expect to be drafted in your draft. So in a 12 team league, that means 18 quarterbacks are being drafted. I, I mean, I have him outside of that. So he's still a priority waiver guy. Right. (laughs) He's basically in that priority streamer category for me. Jeff, who is the quarterback you're targeting this year? Is there like one guy that you're trying to get on all your teams or is it just whatever value falls? It's usually value. I mean, I do like that little wheelhouse that you get once you get into like the Matthew Stafford range of ADP. So, you know, round 9, 10, 11. And if I'm getting two of those guys, I'm happy. I mean, if if I end up with Stafford and Mahomes, I'm I'm ecstatic about that because I know I have a decent floor with Stafford. There's some volatility. And then you have all the upside in the world with Mahomes. And it is kind of crazy to me that Mahomes, that ADP hasn't gone up necessarily. It's still hanging out in that range. Whereas Jimmy Garoppolo still remains above Mahomes, I think those two are are pretty comparable for me. So it's a much better value at Mahomes. That's a good combo. I don't especially like Mahomes, um, but I think with that combo, the safety of Matt Stafford, it makes all the sense in the world. No, no, I think that's a good point, Jeff. And the, the thing is, I, I did want to bring up because, you know, there's a lot of fantasy experts that'll be on the show and we'll talk about this and they're like, oh, you don't draft a backup quarterback. I think it really all depends. I mean, if you're drafting Aaron Rodgers, if you're drafting Russell Wilson, you're not taking a backup quarterback. But being real about this and saying you're playing in your home league draft or whatever you're doing, there's a lot of there's a lot of leagues now that if it's if it's a very uh, a casual league, a lot of people do draft the two quarterbacks. And then what happens is if someone, you know, they want to play the streaming approach, they're going to be screwed because there's going to be 24 quarterbacks owned and you're picking between the bottom of the barrel it's not to say that that can't work sometimes because I I do believe it can but if you're going to wait in your draft I think Jeff hit it on the head is if you take someone safe like Matt Stafford like a Matt Ryan and then pair him with someone like a Mahomes like a Trubisky those are the quarterbacks that you want to be attacking so if you're taking one of those quarterbacks I am more than okay taking two quarterbacks. I don't I don't sit there and like I'm not going to rag on someone for drafting two quarterbacks when they're taking two, you know, that are outside the top 10. I'm fine with going back and forth between those two. And you know what? We just had a mock draft for you guys and I took two quarterbacks because the late round quarterback, it seemed like it was late round quarterback on steroids. And I took Russell in, I think, eight and Cam in nine. What? Like, that's like, that's, <laughs> oh, wow. it was just stupid. Like, I just, I, there was a, there was one part of me that said, I should just take, quarterbacks every round out just to screw everybody because it, it was it, it's not representative of what we see in real drafts right and I get that everybody wants to stick to their guns and shout out to JJ Zacharyson and, and all that and and I love the approach but it's not a strategy if everybody's doing it right if yeah, everybody's yeah. doing it then there's no advantage to it whatsoever so then you flip it on its head and to do what I did, uh, I mean, you know, the the downfall to that, of course, is you're not going to start one of those guys every week. But then again, neither is your opponent. Yeah, that's a really good call. I, I love that point. All right, guys. Well, we've got some news to talk about. Uh, we are going to get into the meat of the show here in just a second. But um, first, we obviously have to start with the Julian Edelman suspension. We got a phone call. Uh, so let's go ahead and play it here. Hey, this is Jimmy in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I was wondering if you guys could go through the depth chart for the New England Patriots wide receivers now, uh, now that Edelman is banned for four games. It's real confusing, I guess, after Hogan, like who's Tom Brady actually going to be throwing to? And then I was wondering if you guys ever would do a show where you kind of just go over all the uh, mistakes. You know, we always have hot takes and we have guys that come out of nowhere. And like, for example, last year we had John Brown was really touted and a couple other guys. If there's any way we can 
kind of go back through and, and see the guys that were wrong, the guys that were right. Anyways, thanks. Yeah, first I'll, uh, I'll start by saying I think that would be a good show because we can learn from a lot of the mistakes we made and, and the processes we used to get to those to see if, you know, the process was right and it just didn't work out or if it was a flawed process and we can learn from it. Uh, now in regards to the Patriots depth chart, I'm going to turn it on over to you, Jeff, and uh, you tell us what you think. Chris Hogan and who? Honestly, I think it could be Jordan Matthews, surprisingly enough. What he was able to do with the Eagles as a slot receiver, he was solid there. I think we can kind of give him a pass for last year. It was a lost season almost from the start, then having to leave, go to Buffalo, that situation there. Uh, it, it just wasn't good all around. You like hearing out of, out of New England that the kid is working his butt off, and that's what Bill Belichick, no days off, baby, no days off. Uh, he loves that. Beyond him... It's going to be tough. I mean, I don't think there's much wide receiver value in terms of predictable value out of this group. There could be a game where Malcolm Mitchell has a big game. There could be a game where Kenny Britt has a big game. There could be a game where Philip Dorsett gets deep or Cordero Patterson does something. But I honestly think we're going to see uh, a whole lot of Gronkowski and a whole lot of the running backs. And I mean, you could, is there a scenario where we have three running backs catch four or five balls in, in a single game for the Patriots? Absolutely that could happen. So I, I don't think you just simply look, okay, who's the next man up? And then we replace. It's Chris Hogan gets a bump up in value. Not that significant, though, because remember, it's only September. It's only September. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I would place some chips, uh, maybe throw a few late round darts on Jordan Matthews. Well, what do you think, Tags? I'm, I'm, I'm with Jeff on this one in regards to Matthews. Like, so People are already forgotten about what Matthews did in his first few seasons in the league. Uh, first three years, at least 800 yards in each season. Uh, he obviously was playing with Carson Wentz. He played with Nick Foles for part of that stretch. So uh, Mark Sanchez was even part of those quarterbacks. So going to Buffalo, we knew it was going to decline a little bit, but they didn't really use him at all. I want to say that there was one or two games all season where he saw more than like three targets. So the, what I did, actually, I've been looking at this recently because I've been trying to update my projections, even though, by the way, we do, I, I do want to say that this Julian Edelman news, it, it, it's coming out that he might not actually get suspended. This appeal is different, that it's actually a, a substance that's showing up as they don't know what to call it. I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of news surrounding this. But still, I've been looking at it, um, you know, trying to project who's going to get the value here. And if you're projecting Edelman anywhere close to the targets he's seen in the last four years, which, by the way, is 9.7 targets per game. That's massive. Even if it's 12 games that would like that he played, it would amount to 116 targets. So now, if we look at the history of the, the Patriots offense, over the last four years, the wide receivers have not combined for more than 306 targets. And I think that we could say that the wide receiver room might be one of the lesser talented ones that we've seen over the last four years with them. Obviously, losing Brandon Cooks hurts. So if we take those 116 targets off the 306, we're looking at 190. If we're expecting Chris Hogan to be a wide receiver three this year, wide receiver four, there's a lot of people you know starting to proclaim this. You're down to suddenly you're down to around 100 targets left between the rest of the receivers. So what this really comes down to, if Edelman is suspended for those four games, there's going to be some production in those games. My guess would also be Jordan Matthews as he can fill Edelman's role uh, with with his best ability being able to play slot because some people think that Edelman is strictly a slot receiver. He's not. He's about 50 percent in the slot, which 
we obviously know Jordan Matthews can play there. I don't see someone like Kenny Stills or Philip Dorsett or any of these guys like the rookies, Braxton Berrios, or some people are talking about Riley McCarron or Corderell Patterson. I don't see them starting to fill that role. I think they brought in Matthews for a reason. He's only 25 years old. He's very young, and it's very possible that he turns into the long-term replacement for Julian Edelman if he picks up the offense. I know it's a short-term deal, but uh, I, I agree 100%. He's the only one that I can actually see playing that slot role that Edelman does 50% of the time. So if you do draft Jordan Matthews, understand that his production will obviously decline once Julian Edelman returned to the lineup. I think Matthews is starting anyway. I don't really know if this bumps his value too much. I mean, I think his ADP is going to bump as a result. But, you know, if you didn't think Jordan Matthews was going to get some targets, I don't think you were really paying attention to their depth chart because there's just really not that much there. I mean, obviously Gronk is going to be there if he's, if he's healthy, of course, but uh, I think Philip Dorsett's a sleeper. Really, it's, it's the Patriots. So it depends on every game. Belichick is going to run out a new game plan every single time. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not really excited about anybody in these four weeks. If there are four weeks that Edelman's out, just because it's so hard to predict and none of these guys are going to be like, can't miss guys. It's just a, a streamer, if anything. So since tra- tracking targets since 2009, uh, the number three wide receiver for the Patriots hasn't seen more than 74 targets, and just two of them have ever topped 60 targets. So this is clearly an Edelman-Hogan offense, where it's like the third one is going to be very unpredictable. However, though, Jeff, Jordan Matthews, I don't see starting with Edelman in the lineup. I don't see that happening because Malcolm Mitchell is going to be playing, I, I would assume, because I don't think they-, they-, they picked up Jordan Matthews to play on the perimeter. Do you see Malcolm Mitchell, Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan as the three wide receiver set once Edelman does return to the lineup? Or do you think that Matthews would play on the perimeter and they kind of mix and match? Well, right now our depth chart team has Matthews in there with uh, with Edelman playing the slot in three wides. So there is that. I think a little bit of this, too, that we have to consider is there's some implied value with Matthews. When I say implied value, what I mean is when you have guys who have shown that they are not the most durable players, of course, Edelman... Uh, well north of 30 now, and Hogan's shown that you know he can get dinged up as well. There is that implied value of the player uh, potentially seeing targets benefiting from injury. It, of course, we look at that a lot more at the running back position than we do at the wide receiver position because it's notoriously finicky. But in the same right, Matthews would be the guy who would benefit, especially if both of those guys went down. Then it's it's hard to to envision a scenario where is he isn't the the top target among the wide receivers on this uh, on this team. Guys, we've got uh, another news item to talk about here, but first I want to talk about the newest sponsor, and I love these guys, TibbsJerky.com. And I don't know about you, I mean Father's Day is coming up. I think I speak for most guys when I say I don't want some goofy present. I just want some meat, right? And uh, TibbsJerky.com is one of the ways to go. Uh, they sent a sample to Tags and I to try some of their jerky. And I tried a handful of flavors, garlic sriracha, black pepper, teriyaki, and their super hot one, Tibbs Revenge. I like to save the best for last. I'm a little neurotic like that, and I love hot stuff, so I saved Tibbs Revenge. And when I tried spicy garlic, it was super hot. I knew I was going to die when I tried Tibbs Revenge, and I was right. It was really hot. It was amazing, but it was really hot. Uh, Tags, what was your favorite one, man? Those were both very hot. I actually tried them all as well. I had some family over and uh, they're they're fans of hot stuff. And they, as they first ate it, it was kind of like it was slowly coming on. Then it was like, okay, this actually gets really freaking hot. So I didn't eat too much of that because I'm not a like an <laughs> over the top spice guy. But I definitely like the black pepper one. It just seems like the most simplest. And it, you know, if our listeners have learned anything, I'm pretty much uh, simple when it comes to my eating pleasures. So the black pepper one was really good. 
I thought the teriyaki one was delicious, and I actually ate that one first. I thought that was going to be my least favorite because I don't really like teriyaki stuff, but they nailed it. Um, I, I love their stuff. Tibbs jerky just has such bold flavors, and when I eat it, I feel like I'm doing something good for myself. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's like getting prime rib on Father's Day. Every time I tore open a new bag, it felt like a treat. And it tastes like real food, too, unlike most jerkies I've tried. They were rated the best beef jerky in America for highest quality jerky snack. For the love of jerky, try Tibbs Jerky. And we've got a discount code for you when you do. Fantasy Pros, all one word, is going to get you 20% off your order. Go to www.tibbsjerky.com. All right, guys, sticking with the Patriots here, what is with these Gronk rumors? I mean, I've heard he was de- he demanded a trade. The Titans and 49ers were really interested. I would imagine everyone would be. Uh, and then Brady said he might retire if Gronk leaves. Is there any legitimacy to this whatsoever, Jeff? Well, he finished second in the uh, Belmont, so what does it matter, right? <laughs> Am I right here? I, I, you know what? You can't, you can't really trust anything out there. Uh, you're going to hear so many different things. And, and I've learned over the years that, that oftentimes, especially like if you're talking fantasy Twitter, that every tiny little story gets blown out of proportion. Every rumor gets blown out of proportion. All we know is that Gronk is really, really, really good. And when he's on the field, especially with Tom Brady, that's excellent for fantasy purposes. I don't see a scenario where he is ultimately out of there, uh, at least this year. However, I've gone on record. I'll keep saying this. I've encouraged people to make this move. If I'm in a dynasty league and I've robbed Gronkowski and and my rookie draft is going on and I can get some first round picks, if I can get something in return to address a need, a younger player preferably, uh, along with picks, then I'm going to make that move right now because he still has tons of value and it's a guy who is who has contemplated retirement and that at least is out there uh otherwise you know hey i'm we'll, we'll just let it unfold as it happens i i, I don't think anything's going to change though i'd love to go get hunter henry in a nice pick oh don't even talk about hunter henry to me man yeah, i'm so, so sad <laughs> we actually did a stats episode and um it happened right after we recorded the episode and i had this great stat about hunter henry i don't even remember what it was but um, we actually took it out of the show and it was, it was just so sad. I, I was so excited about Hunter Henry. I still am for dynasty leagues. Yeah, no, Hunter Henry was in, it was in line for a great season and, um, rip Hunter Henry. Um, but, uh, he'll be back next year and, you know, things may change in that time frame. We don't know what Philip Rivers career timelines looking like, how much longer he's going to play, but, uh, it was definitely sad to see that. But as in regards to Gronk, I wasn't really believing anything until we saw it happen. You know, it was apparently some Reddit user, the one that leaked the whole Julian Edelman thing that started this one. And it was just, maybe he was just riding on that wave saying, oh, I can get people to believe things since I was correct about the Edelman thing. So I, I didn't put too much stock into it um, and obviously there's some rumors afterwards saying that you know uh, Tom Brady threatened to retire if they traded Gronk and you know we don't know if there's any truth to this stuff but in the end Gronk's gonna be on the field for the Patriots and we're gonna draft him as the tight end one all right guys well let's jump on over and uh, we've each got three or four players to talk about that we think are gonna move up draft boards and uh, the reason I find this especially helpful for a lot of uh, fantasy owners is because if you're doing your drafts a little bit early or if you're doing these best ball leagues it can really help to uh, to grab these players who are going to move up the draft boards because essentially you're getting like a fourth round value in the sixth round, right? Now, there's going to be some instances like the first player I'm sharing where that's that's not exactly the case. They're just going to move up draft boards and, um, you know, it's it's worth understanding. But for the most part, these are the players you want to target, right, Tags? 
Yeah, no, these are the players that basically we're expecting the the public to finally catch up on, where it's like they might be a step behind. I actually wrote an article on this last week uh, talking about the players that I expected to, to move up draft boards, and it's funny because a lot of the players that I wrote about, I, I checked their ADPs today, and a lot of them have already moved up. So it's just like, you know, when people talk about not hosting your draft early because there's going to be injuries in the preseason, understand that injuries affect every team. You cannot predict injuries. So the sooner you draft, the better it is for you, the fantasy player who's listening to all these podcasts in the offseason that's been paying attention because you have a step up before the public actually catches up with everything that we've been talking about all offseason. So these are the players who, if you do hold your drafts early, expect to get a value on them because they're eventually going to catch up. Yeah, if you're the commissioner and obviously you can change rules to benefit you, but then everyone would know that change the draft order or not the draft order, change the draft date and that will significantly benefit you and nobody will catch on to it because if you're paying attention now, you've got a huge advantage. Like Tag said, uh, Jeff, let's go, uh, with you first. We're going to go in a round table fashion, Jeff and then tags and then me. Uh, so Jeff, who's the first player you expect to move up the draft board? Well, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of values uh, in, you know, right now. The obvious answer we know is going to move up compared to his current ADP is Chris Hogan, but we already talked about that. But looking in that same range of players, uh, so you're around about late eighth round, early ninth round. I, I do think that we see a little bit of a rise for Devontae Parker. Uh, he's a polarizing name. He certainly is because every year it's this type of guy. Oh, it's going to happen and it doesn't. But there are so many targets on the table in that team with Jarvis Landry out of the mix that it's hard to see that not going to Parker. You like what you're hearing out of Miami that this kid is in there working his butt off first in, last out. This time last year, we wouldn't have thought getting Tannehill back would be such a good thing, but it actually is a good thing. Now, what I like about Parker is you're drafting him at his current ADP as essentially a fringe wide receiver three, and he certainly has tons of upside, so there's not that much draft capital, and I don't think he's going to move that much up, but you may see him creep into the seventh round, because you get into this range of wide receivers, especially now with Edelman, who's going to drop. You have your decisions between somebody like Parker or somebody like Cooper Cup, and hey, Cooper Cup, fine and dandy, but there's no upside with Cooper Cup, and there's a lot of mouths to feed there. You don't, you don't have the upside that Parker has and there aren't as many mouths to feed in Miami so I think you're going to slowly start to see him creep up now he's not going to move to like the fourth round or anything but maybe maybe even back into the sixth so to get him in the back end of the eighth early ninth right now is really nice Jeff every time you come on our show you validate like all of Tag's opinions like you guys are in agreement (laughs) on every is Tag's paying you Uh, no, and I don't think I paid him very much when he worked for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad, but true. Uh, but no, De- Devontae Parker, I actually got yelled at the other day on Twitter, Jeff, um, because someone told me, stop hyping Devontae Parker because he sucks, and that um, he said that uh, Albert Wilson was going to come in and get 120 targets and be the fantasy player of the year. And so here's the deal. It's not to say that Albert Wilson can't have a role, because I believe he can, but I mentioned it on our wide receiver episode we did not long ago is that the Dolphins were one of three teams who had three wide receivers finish with more than 90 targets. So there's plenty of room for opportunity here. But, you know, Jeff, when we're talking about drafting Devontae Parker as the current wide receiver, 38, 39 in ADP, you mentioned it like the odds of a wide receiver with a hundred or more targets finishing outside that range is literally like a 5% chance. It it just doesn't happen very often with that much volume. And on top of that, that's his floor. Like last year he saw 96 targets while playing essentially, I think it was 12 full games. So when we're looking at this with Jarvis Landry gone, he has a 140 target ceiling. 
I am actually one to believe that Devontae Parker has played well when he's been on the field. It just hasn't all come together. But when you look at the numbers and you go back and you look at the time that he's played with Tannehill, his last like 17 games with Ryan Tannehill is fantastic. I have him ranked as my number 24 wide receiver. I don't need to draft him in front of Josh Gordon or Corey Davis or, or Jarvis Landry, but I have him ranked over those guys. So as you mentioned, plenty of room for equity. I've been talking about Devontae Parker a lot. So um, I definitely, definitely, he was actually in my article as well as my guess is that his ADP will creep up to right around that wide receiver 32 range. Yep. I'm in agreement with you guys. Tags, why don't you go ahead and say your first guy? All right. So my guy is uh, (laughs) Jameis Winston. You know, on the quarterback episode, we talked about him a lot. I think people are missing the boat here. It's like, you know, people are talking about, well, Mike Evans, is he going to get those those points? Is Chris Chris Godwin's coming into the lineup? He's going to finish as a wide receiver for let's not forget about Deshaun Jackson. Oh, who is it? O.J. Howard is a Cameron Brait. Is it both of them like it was last season? Who is it? Whenever you do that with a play with with a bunch of players on one team, why don't we go back to the quarterback who's throwing to them? His current ADP was QB twenty, which is kind of ridiculous, guys. I I understand the hype with Patrick Mahomes, but guys, he's played one game. Like Jameis Winston is mobile. He's got better pass catchers. The offense last year they threw the ball six hundred and five times, which was third in the NFL. You go the year before that, it was almost five hundred and eighty times. The volume is there. The pass catchers are there. The offensive line is going to get a little bit healthier this season. They suffered a lot of injuries. As the, as the year went on last year. But Jameis Winston, if you look at his numbers and Andrew Luck's numbers throughout the first like three, four years of their career, they're eerily similar. But Jameis Winston, the touchdowns just haven't caught up with the yardage that he's been able to throw so far. So Jameis Winston, you know, when we're talking about those guys with upside like Trubisky, like Mahomes, Jameis Winston's atop the list for me. Uh, I have him ranked as, as my uh, number 12 quarterback right now, and he, you're able to get him much later. So I just think eventually people, it catches up with people that Jameis Winston, the touchdowns weren't there last year, but when he was on the field and healthy, the yardage was there. I've got him QB8, and I know that's uh, higher than any other expert in the industry with that said. And we've talked about him so much that I wasn't even going to bring him up on this show, but I'm glad you did, Tags. I think we need to shot it from the rooftop so people draft him. And I don't really have too much to add, uh, except... It reminded me of this stat that I saw from Ben Cummins of the Fantasy Footballers. He says O.J. Howard had only 290 fewer receiving yards and caught the same amount of touchdowns as Evan Ingram last season on 76 fewer targets. Oh, man. Yeah, O.J. Howard was really efficient last year. Like, that's going to come down. It has to. Um, But all those pass catchers there, like, you could make a case for every single one. I would make the case that Deshaun Jackson's being undervalued right now. That Chris Godwin. I love Chris Godwin. There's some people are, I think they're moving a little too fast on Godwin. Um, they're saying that he earned a starting role, but now they're, they're, they kind of backtracked a little bit saying it wasn't like he's starting for sure, but he's earned the right to be a starter. So we don't know where that's at, but we do know Deshaun Jackson's on the roster and he's, he's made every quarterback better throughout his entire career. So Jeff, are you with us on Jameis Winston? Yeah, I have him at 13. Uh, and, and that's giving Andrew Luck the benefit of the doubt right now and having it having luck at 11 okay you know still hedging with luck right can you throw a ball dude <laughs> uh anything throw me the remote just throw something <laughs> but Winston so that would basically put him at 12 so yeah I, I'm I'm right there it's touchdown regression uh, this is one of the reasons why and and I know it's it's weird to say this but I don't like touchdowns because they're so misleading in fantasy sports we're going to see positive regression with Jameis and let's not forget 
This guy is 24 years old. Recent evidence has suggested that NFL quarterbacks peak around 33, 34 years old. Right, so this guy's 10 years away from his peak, and he's already tossed. He has two 4,000 yard seasons. He almost threw for 30 touchdowns in 2016. I think from a maturity standpoint, he's he's slowly progressing as a, as a 24 year old will in the NFL. He's progressing in the right direction. He's a kid who is a student of the game who really wants to get out there and win. Uh, and I think that's all good for his fantasy stock. So, yeah, I, I agree 100% on that. He is definitely being undervalued. If he's going 20, uh, the ADP I have, I have a consensus of a whole bunch of different sites, has him at 17, but still, both of those are, are criminally undervalued. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, here's my first guy. It is Jimmy Garoppolo and. I'm not recommending you draft Jimmy Garoppolo to take advantage of this. What I'm saying is watch out because you're going to see these players rise in ADP. And when you see that, you're going to think, oh, that must be someone I need to get. Um, that's not necessarily the case with Jimmy G. Uh, the reason I think he's going to rise is because uh, the sites like Yahoo basically set the ADP. They post their rankings and ADP is based on those rankings a lot of times because a lot of the guys who aren't paying attention say, well, the experts are saying Jimmy G's here, so this is where I'm going to draft him. I'm looking at his uh, his rankings here. Dalton Del Don is the highest expert on him, has him at six. Liz Loza, number six. Scott Pianowski, number eight. Brad Evans, number eight. Those are four of the top five experts on Jimmy G, so he's going to go way up on Yahoo. Uh, he's going to probably be drafted in the top 80. I'm not even close to touching him there. He's someone that should move down as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I'd take Jameis over Jimmy G. And it's not really that difficult of a decision for me. I think Garoppolo's a little maybe I don't know. I don't I don't know if I would even want to say safer, but they're in the same territory for me for sure. Like I don't I just don't I, I actually have Jameis higher higher as well, so I would take Jameis, but Jimmy, I don't know. At number eight, <laughs> guys, we're talking about like a what, a six game sample at the end of last year and it was against some porous defenses. Like there were there were a couple defenses mixed in there that were Solid, I guess you could say, but uh, he didn't throw very many touchdowns either. And the fact is they didn't add that that red zone threat. So, I mean, unless George Kittle all of a sudden becomes a touchdown guy, he doesn't have a guy on that team that can score eight touchdowns. I don't I don't believe that Pierre Garçon has ever been that guy. I don't think that Marquise Goodwin's that guy. Trent Taylor. I mean, Dante Pettis. Again, who are these guys that are catching the touchdowns? I mean, and if Jimmy G is number eight. We are severely undervaluing some wide receivers on that team, uh, but I'm not one of them. I have Jimmy G actually down as my number 15 quarterback right now. I'm pretty low on him, uh, admittedly. I, I think he's relatively safe, but I don't think that he presents the upside that you would want. Tags, I'm looking at it right now. You've got him 15, and you have Winston 10. I have Winston 7 and uh, and Jimmy G 15. So uh, we're a little bit different than the rest of the industry, but I mean, there's some really smart guys who are on our side here. Justin Boone, Jake Seeley, just to name a few. Um, I'm excited about this one, man. I, I think that we've, uh, we've got it. I'm curious though, cause Jeff, you can swing my opinion. What do you think about Jimmy G? Well, I think we just need to do an entire Jimmy G podcast. Then if there are people out there that are ranking him eight, that's that. That means you're ranking him essentially probably ahead of folks like Ben Roethlisberger, ahead of Matthew Stafford, perhaps ahead of Drew Brees, uh, certainly ahead of Philip Rivers. 
I mean, what did Philip Rivers do <laughs> last year to cause everybody to be so down on him? I, I do not get it. it. There's there's this weird perception. Like, people are so high on Jimmy G. Then when I rank Cam Newton number two overall, people are or number two among quarterbacks, people say, why are you so high on him? Like, the dude finished second last year. I'm not high on him whatsoever. <laughs> why are we high on Jimmy Garoppolo? And I think that's a great point about ADP that a lot of folks out there really need to take in. The ADP of a site is significantly impacted by the rankings of that site if it's a site that does provide rankings. So if you're talking about Yahoo, if you're talking about ESPN, uh, if you're talking about NFL, these are sites that that you know you have to know the rankings uh, of the folks who write for those sites. That's really, really high. I love my Yahoo folks. Don't get of me course. wrong, but that is definitely way too high on Jimmy G. Yeah. And, and maybe they'll change their minds because we're going to have them on this show and we are going to fight them over this, right, Tags? There you go. <laughs> All right, it's to you, Jeff, for your number two one. Uh, number two, um, it's it's tricky at the quarterback position for sure. I just mentioned um, Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know if they're actually going to rise up. It just for me is. I guess I'll go with Ben. Because they're back-to-back in ADP, at least the ADP that I have currently. They're going quarterback 18 and quarterback 19. Like, that's crazy to me. That is absolutely crazy to me. Now, it's based (laughs) on, let's see, MFL and FFC. So, the same stuff that you guys have uh, up at your site as well. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger has an enormous ceiling. Now, the week-to-week volatility is certainly there. Uh, I think that... In some ways, that may be a little overstated. Yes, he's shown home and away splits and all that fun stuff. But but still, when you're talking about you're drafting Derek Carr ahead of him, you're drafting Mahomes ahead of him, you're drafting Matt Ryan ahead of him, you're drafting Andrew Luck ahead of him with all the volatility there, it just seems a little bit hard to believe. And then again, Philip Rivers at, at 19. So it's like the Rivers-Roethlisberger package there. I, I think... Common sense will ultimately prevail, especially as more ADP data comes in. And if you can get these guys, like essentially that's the uber late round approach right there. If you can get them as the last two quarterbacks in your draft, I mean, all day long, I don't think that's going to happen ultimately in late August, early September, though. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I have Roethlisberger at 11. I have Rivers at 12. Um, I pulled out my rankings. And I did have Winston at 10. Uh, but yeah, no, with the, the exit of Todd Haley, some people are, are viewing that as a negative. I don't necessarily think it's a negative. They're talking about running some some more no huddle with the Steelers. I don't know what they're going to do with Le'Veon Bell, if they're going to run the same sort of approach, that one-back system. Uh, but I think everything benefits Ben Roethlisberger here. Antonio Brown hasn't gone anywhere as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is, is there. He's obviously in year two. He's going to pick up the offense a little bit more. James Washington might actually be an upgrade over Martavis Bryant in terms of what he does well and how it matches up with Ben's skill set. So I, I, I do believe that the, those guys are severely undervalued. I didn't put them in my list just because I'm with you on that one. I don't know if they actually move up. I think people are just, they look at them as the old quarterbacks that are boring. That's the same reason that Stafford is lower than he probably should be. Instead, they're gravitating more towards Jimmy G, towards uh, Patrick Mahomes, like these young guys that they want to believe in. Derek Carr, that's a joke. I mean, Derek Carr is down at number 23 in my rankings. And I can't see any way that I'm putting him ahead of guys like like Alex Smith or Marcus Mariota. It's just not going to happen. So this time last year, Derek Carr was the fourth quarterback off the board. I can hardly believe that. Like that was such an obvious fade. And so many people just kept drafting him there. Um, he, he is who he is. I think we have a pretty good indication of that. I would much rather have Big Ben, not even close. Uh, with that said, I've said um, time and time again, I'm taking Jameis Winston or Matt Ryan. I like Matt Ryan a little better than Big Ben, but 
You know, if it's not one of those guys and I can get Big Ben late in my draft as my only quarterback, I'm fine having him as my only quarterback. I'm going to start him in every single home game. I'll stream in every single road game unless it's against a crummy team. You'll be streaming Trubisky. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'd be fine taking uh, Big Ben and streaming Trubisky and when Big Ben's on the road. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Big Ben on the road, like those splits are, they have some legitimacy. Like they're just not very good. And I, I can't explain it. It's one of those things where it's like, if you can't explain it, it's not real. But like, we're, we're not talking about two year sample either. We're talking like over a span of like the last four or five years. There's, there's something to it. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to put any science behind it because I don't understand it, but I believe in results over process and uh, the results have, have, have told us what's going on. Oh no. Process over results. I know tags. You're going to fight me on this. We don't have time for it. We have to get to all the guys. Yeah, I know we can have a whole episode on this. Okay. I, I believe in, in what we've seen from big Ben and I'm uh, going to draw from that. Um, now we're going to get to tag second guy here in just a second, but I want to talk about the other sponsor of today's show draft.com and uh, they have the best ball leagues going on. They've got the, the daily leagues going on for, uh, for baseball and they're going to have them eventually for weekly and football as well. And I love doing this. I love using their app. Their app is amazing. Again, it's draft.com and I'm actually in the middle of a best ball draft right now. And usually I, I do a lot of these best ball drafts, but I never get the first pick. I finally got the first pick and I, I went with Todd Gurley. I know some people are going to say you had to go Le'Veon, but I just have a blast doing these best ball leagues. And what those are, you draft your entire roster in advance and you don't do any moves during the season, no transactions, no trades. You don't set your lineup. It takes your best lineup. And that way you can do like 50 leagues because the best part of it is drafting, right? That's why it's draft. Com. And we've got an offer for you if you want to try Draft.com. All you do is you go to fantasypros.com slash offer, and if you sign up today, deposit 10 bucks, you're going to get a free Fantasy Pros upgrade for six months to our highest premium tier. It's going to help you get all the tools to Draft Wizard, to my playbook, everything that we have going on on our site, all the sports for six months for free, and you can win money with that 10 bucks too that you deposit, so it's pretty much a no-brainer. Again, fantasypros.com slash offer. All right, Tags, what's your number two, man? It's funny you mentioned that. I actually, uh, I, I do multiple drafts at one time and it's like, it's easy because I just pop it up on my phone and the, the guy that I'm about to mention, I just drafted uh, much earlier than his ADP said I should have because I just think it's out of whack right now. Uh, his name is Carrion Johnson. So Carrion was someone that the Lions drafted uh, in the second round. And I almost was staying away from him when the, the draft immediately happened. And I say that because it just seemed like a, a crowded backfield with Garrett Blunt, with Theo Riddick, with Amir Abdullah. It's like, okay, where do the, all these guys fit in? And then I started thinking about the logic behind it and the fact that, okay, the Lions obviously felt the need to spend a second round pick on a running back here. And Carrion Johnson is the only one on that team that is a true three down running back. Like he doesn't do anything over the top, like great but he does everything very well. And, you know, thinking about it, so many people are like, Matt Patricia's coming in there. That's why he brought in the Garrett Blunt. He's trying to make this New England's offense. Well, Matt Patricia isn't an offensive-minded coach. Like, he didn't fire Jim Bob Cooter when he came in there. That's still the same offense as far as I'm concerned. So, Garrett Blunt might have been his guy bringing in for goal line situations, but as we've seen in Jim Bob Cooter's offense, you will not stay on the field if you cannot catch passes. So, when you kind of put all everything together and look at it logically, why is Kerryon Johnson being taken outside the top 38 running backs? Well, I mean, you don't have to you don't have to stay on the field to come on the field to get goal line carries. If Kerryon Johnson's not getting goal line carries, I think his fantasy value is 
I won't say irrelevant, but not somebody that I want to start every week. Well, LeGarrette Blunt was at 31 um, when I did my article, and that was on data through, it was mm-hmm. from like May 11th through the 21st. So it was recent data, uh, and LeGarrette Blunt was at 31, and then you had Carry On down at 46. Since that time, LeGarrette Blunt has moved back to 35, Carry On up to 39. So it's starting to level itself out. I'm not saying that Carry On is someone that you should draft as a top 24 running back. I'm saying that he okay. has the potential to finish there because. Uh, it was J.J. Zacharyson in front of the show. He did an article not long ago talking about those players that you find later in drafts and who turn out to be fantasy studs. You need to find the running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield and carry on. He matches exactly what they wanted to do out of that backfield. Uh, so drafting a guy like him in the second round kind of makes sense for them. And I agree that I think he's going to rise up boards once everyone realizes he's the main guy in Detroit. And everyone's trying to figure that out right now. But I think we have a pretty good indication. Jeff, do you agree or is there something else going on there that we're not seeing? Well, there's a little bit of a gap, too, between best ball and uh, ADP in, in, I guess, whatever season long leagues, whatever you want to call them. Uh, however, we differentiate that he's going in the seventh round. There is a 32nd running back off the board. And he's got a 10th round ADP in best ball. And it really does look like draft is the big culprit. Number 130 off the board. Uh, So he's pushing that average down. So if you're drafting on draft, yeah, I like that. I definitely like that. Now, I'm not going to get too high on him because, yeah, can he catch the ball to the backfield? Sure. So can Theo Riddick, right? Uh, Can he surpass LeGarrette Blunt in the short yardage situations? I highly doubt it. So this is a guy who we could likely see between the 20s. And unfortunately, from an upside standpoint, you're talking about a guy then that needs to break long touchdowns, which the data always shows is really hard to do. You know, you want that ball inside the five if you're going to score touchdowns. So that's the one cap ultimately. And then the biggest concern, I suppose, just from the standpoint of the player himself, is this is a kid who came into the NFL and said, I am a committee back. So that ultimately caps his upside. Um, so, but then again, like I said, where you're getting him in draft in on draft right now is is awesome. I love that. I'll t- I'll do that all day long because you're you're just shooting for upside anyway at that point. And when you're drafting five or six running backs, then yeah, you want you want as much upside as possible with with those guys. And he certainly has the it. The thing that concerns me the most, and uh, this might make some of you laugh, but is Amir Abdullah. I know he's been an absolute turd in the NFL so far, but we can't ignore that he is very talented, and uh, there's a chance that he takes over this job. I'm not expecting it. Um, I'm not going to not draft carry on Johnson because of it, because when, when you're drafting someone in that range, I think you're drafting for upside. You're not going to go out and get, you know, not Frank Gore this year, but somebody like Frank Gore, who's just a solid, safe player. You're never going to play that guy. Why, why would you draft someone like that? Get someone with the upside. So I, I like carry on Johnson, but, um, I'm not sold exactly that he's going to be the starter. Yeah, no, I mean, it's fair. Actually, all the Jeff, all the concerns that Jeff shared there, they were the same ones when he was drafted. But then the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, why draft him in the second round? Yeah, I mean, same question about Dante Pettis, who you've been trashing. Well, no, no, but believe me, I have to reevaluate that Dante Pettis thing. I want to see how they use him. I don't view his skill set as someone that you should trade up for in the second round. Agreed. That's where I'm at on Dante Pettis. I feel like he's a he's a solid return man. I think he could be a fine receiver as like a role player, but I don't see someone that, that is going to make a massive impact in year one and that they felt the need to trade up to get him. So, yeah. All right. My number two guy here and uh, tags, I'm stealing from your list. I'm, I'm sorry, but I completely agree with Geronimo Allison. I cannot believe he's being drafted outside the top 80 wide receivers right now. He's going to start. And uh, Jeff, was it you that told us that you think he's going to start in two wide receiver sets for the Packers? Well, it's not that I think it's just based on observation okay. of Mike McCarthy's offense. 
those those outside receivers stay the outside receivers in two wide sets, and Cobb comes off the field. Now, it doesn't mean that happens 100% of the time, but it does happen most of the time. And so historically, we have seen that quote-unquote number three receiver actually play more snaps than Cobb. That makes sense, yeah. And here's the thing. If you can get the number three receiver in the Green Bay offense, you draft him well within the top 80, like top 50 probably. And if, if he's actually the number two, if he's getting more snaps than Randall Cobb, this is going to be the biggest steal of the draft. It could. It's just hard to find someone this late in drafts that could have this big of an impact. Like, think of him as James Jones. Like, that's the way you should look at it. And I still think that there's a, a realistic possibility that Des Bryant winds up with the Packers. I, I It just makes a lot of sense. Um, but at the same time, if, if, it, if he doesn't, then Geronimo Allison is going to play a ton of snaps. And if you look at the snaps that Geronimo Allison has played with Aaron Rodgers... He's been really efficient, really good, and he's learned the system now. It's his third year in it. So, yeah, Allison, I I mean, it's kind of mind-boggling. I'm guessing people are just expecting some movement. Uh, or they're expecting a Jamon Moore, uh, the draft picks, to move up. Maybe it's Equinemia St. Brown. I don't know what people are expecting, but Geronimo Allison is the one who knows the offense. He's the one who's shown production in the NFL. So how high are you drafting him right now? I mean, he's going 80. You can wait a long time, but maybe there's someone in your league who listens to this show or has heard other people talk about it. Like, how high are you making sure that you get him, Jeff? I don't know if I'm making sure that I get him. It depends on what kind of values left in the end of the draft. But if it's a, if it's an 18 round draft like you have on draft, it's about you pretty much can save one of the last two two rounds for him. Throw a dart at him because he's being overlooked. And I'm not I don't share any concerns about those three wide receivers because when you look at the three that they drafted, they have two things in common. All three of them are big dudes. And they're extremely athletic. And I suppose, I guess, the third thing they have in common is they're all raw. Like, Jamon, I love Jamon, but I, I, it's going to take some time. Equinemia St. Brown fell for a reason in the draft, right? So I'm not worried about those guys. And, and this is sort of the opposite of what we said earlier in the pod. I said there really isn't that next man up, per se, in New England you know, scenario that would play out. Like, this guy goes down, insert new wide receiver, and hopefully get 90% of his production. In Green Bay, though, that's like the quintessential. That's exactly what happens, right? So if something happened, there's more implied value there as well with with uh, Geronimo. If you know they don't sign Des, blah blah blah. If something happened to Cobb, if something happened to Devontae Adams, we never want that to happen. But let's face it, it's football, and it does happen from time to time. All of a sudden, Allison's value skyrockets, and you just threw a late round dart at a guy as your last wide receiver. I, I love that, and he is somebody who I am targeting in those those last couple rounds. I remember when uh, when Devontae Adams ADP went from what was it like 160 to 50 overnight, yeah. right? That that kind of thing could happen with Allison if there was an injury. And Allison was much better in his first two years than Adams was. Adams was one of the most least inefficient wide receivers like in the, in the NFL. Not as talented though. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying Allison's as talented, but I'm saying that he just next man up. Like seriously, like just keep the train rolling. Yeah. All right, Jeff. On to you for number three. I feel like I should like uh, take out advertisements uh, all over the place, be like the blue apron of this. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to say Dante Moncrief because Ooh. here's the thing, folks. If you're listening to this podcast, write it down in ink. D.D. Westbrook is at least the number four, if not the number five wide receiver in Jacksonville. And Moncrief is the two. The number one is Lee. It's Moncrief is the two. Keelan Cole is the three. He comes on the field in three wide sets. That's the way it is right now. The fantasy industry, I don't know why. 
uh, is is still holding on to D.D. Westbrook for dear life and perpetuating this view that he's he's still a starter. He isn't, and that isn't going to happen with this team. And they went out and they you know they drafted Chark, who of course you know he's just doing special teams. I don't expect him to do much in his rookie season. But the fact that you're getting you're seeing D.D. Westbrook being drafted and Moncrief going undrafted largely uh, is is kind of silly. So. I think eventually people will finally believe this and we'll see Moncrief's ADP creep up. He'll still be a late round guy. He's not going to go that high, but you see it creep up into like the the 14th round or so. I remember when he was going drafted, what was his ADP? Like two years ago, it was 55. At first he was 80 and it moved way up to 55. This is a guy with talent and I know he hasn't done a ton on the field, but uh, and I know Blake Bortles doesn't really help the cause going from Andrew Luck to Blake Bortles, but he's got plenty of talent. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, if he has a nice season. Yeah, Jeff would be proud of me. I actually traded in our Fantasy Pros Invitational uh, Dynasty League. Um, I actually traded D.D. Westbrook in a fourth round pick to move up and select. Uh, I think that pick was either Anthony Miller or James Washington. That sucked. You sniped me. I remember who it was. I remember it was James Washington and you sniped me. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I'm out of the Westbrook thing. It seems like Jacksonville's wide receiver room, they were obviously weren't happy with where they were with him last year because they felt the need to bring in Moncrief. They felt the need to draft Chark. So there's a lot of things going on there. So Westbrook is actually behind Moncrief in my rankings as well. I don't think I'll end up with either of them because I think Marquise Lee is the one that I want. Um, and I just don't think that there's enough room for two wide receivers with the running attack that they have now. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely with Jeff on this one that people are overvaluing D.D. Westbrook. And you know, sometimes it's it's the the receivers make the quarterback Mason Rudolph, and other times <laughs> it's the quarterback makes the receiver. Who who was D.D. Westbrook's quarterback in college? Baker Mayfield. Yeah, <laughs> and Baker's really really good. Uh, so I, I think that could have been a little bit of it. And and there's no doubt. I mean, he's he's blazing fast. He's undersized for the NFL level though, uh, and and maybe he's one of those guys who every year. If you play, if you're a degenerate and play preseason DFS like me, uh, you're looking at in preseason DFS. But otherwise, I just think the hype train is just way too far with him. Yeah. All right. Tags number three for you, man. All right. Someone that's going to move up, whether it's right or wrong, is Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup is currently the number 61 wide receiver in ADP. And, um, you know, typically a third round wide receiver that's a rookie, I wouldn't suggest it going up. But in this case, I, I do think people actually catch on to this in the preseason because Michael Gallup is the only wide receiver on that team that could potentially develop into a top 30 wide receiver like Cole Beasley, Tavon Austin, uh, Alan Hearns, Deontay Thompson. These are these are guys that are passed over by other teams. So what makes Dallas think that they're going to just turn them into number one receivers? It's just not going to happen. Michael Gallup, he's a guy that actually fell into their lap. I don't think he should have lasted until the third round. He was one of my favorite wide wide receivers in the draft. I had him as a top four wide receiver, I want to say. So I love Gallup's all around game. And I think when people see him in the preseason, they're going to slowly raise those expectations. And honestly, Dallas, if the Cowboys do not start this kid very early, they're making a big mistake. Like, I I mean, if you're not going to a Super Bowl and like you don't have, if you have talent on your roster that, that won't allow him to get on the field. Okay. But you're a team that's clearly in like a rebuild mode where your defense is really young. You're trying to rebuild there. Your wide receiver core is awful. There's a reason you drafted Gallup. Jeff, am I wrong in this? Like that you, that you think Gallup should start relatively soon? I think he should, but the question is, does the team think he he should? Yeah. It, it seems Terrence Williams is locked in. They love what he can do, believe it or not. And this is still a thing. Uh, we don't think about this for <laughs> fantasy purposes, but they love what he can do as a blocker, right? He's yeah. he's a very talented blocker. So, uh, And when you have a running back like Zeke, that matters. 
Cole Beasley locked in as the slot receiver, especially after the the trade uh, during the draft there uh, that got his competition out of the mix. And then Alan Hearns, I think Alan Hearns is kind of, it's boring to me. I don't like to make boring picks in fantasy because boring typically doesn't win you leagues, but I do think he's the strongest candidate to lead the team in targets in 2018. However, in the long term, I'm 100% on board with you, Tags. I love Gallup. I, I was high on him as well. He he graded out very favorably by our analysts at, at Pro Football Focus. And he's in a good position to ultimately emerge as the number one. I just don't know if it happens this year. Didn't Jerry Jones say when he was drafted, he's starting for us like that night when they drafted him? He doesn't. He doesn't call the shots, though. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear what Steven says. Yeah, Let me hear what yes. Steven says. Yeah, yes. yeah. You're right. It's just. It's so funny. All right, guys. Here's my number three, Marvin Jones. I haven't been hearing anybody talk about Marvin Jones. We haven't talked about Marvin Jones. Did you guys know he was a top five fantasy wide receiver last year? Oh yeah. Oh, I knew that. That's why I was shocked to see his ADP so low. I think people are gonna start realizing that. And here's the thing: Matthew Stafford is quarterback has as many seasons with at least 4,200 passing yards as Tom Brady. He has more than Aaron Rodgers, more than Dan Marino, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning. I mean, this is a guy who he flings the ball out there every single game, and he stays healthy every game, and he's got a couple guys to pass to. He's got Golden Tate, Marvin Jones. What else do they have? Um, the reason that he's falling in drafts is because of Kenny Galladay. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in this. I, no, no, Crazy. I don't think it should be happening, but I'm telling you that's the reason it's happening. <laughs> I, I saw a video of, hey, check out how much Kenny Galladay is dominating at practice. And it was like, he's so good at jump balls. And uh, it was just a really normal pass. And he jumped like six inches off the ground. Like, chill out, people. <laughs> it's just one of those guys, though, that, that people just want to they want to believe in. They want to buy into it. And it is what it is. But he's a number three receiver. And if you're in a regular 12-team league that starts three wide receivers in a flex... Three, the number three receiver on most teams is not valuable. It, it's it's a guy who's going to be more frustrating than what it's worth. Marvin Jones, on top of it, too, not only, yes, the fantasy production last year, but here's the thing about this team. When they get to the red zone, you know who they don't throw to? Golden Tate at, at all. Like, they don't even look at him. It's all Marvin Jones, so there's all that t- touchdown upside as well. I think it's a great call. I, I, you're getting him at a steal right now. He's the number 25 wide receiver in terms of ADP, and Golden Tate's 24. I want them both. If that costs, I'd take them both. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't take Matthew Stafford. I'll just have the whole passing game for the Lions. All right, on to number four. Um, this is our last one here. Jeff, who do you have? Think outside the box a little bit, and I don't think he's going to rise that much, but I, I think that people are overlooking a, a big factor here, and it's Duke Johnson. Now, it, uh, you have to be in a PPR for this one, obviously, so let's state that first and foremost. I, I, half point, I, I wouldn't make the same argument, and certainly not in standard, but Duke Johnson finishes the number 11 PPR back last year. He was a RB1 last year, and, and I think that he takes a little bit of a hit in terms of his target volume, no doubt about it, but he's still going to be used a lot as a receiver in what looks to be an improved offense. And right now you're getting him in the 11th round. So why not? Uh, You know, I I would take him easily in the ninth round. You get a two round discount on him. I think that there's a potential, though, that maybe people don't even catch up to this and maybe his ADP stays there all along. And let's face it, the way that running back falls off a cliff Every year we see it. It falls off cliffs at various points in the draft to get a guy who is certainly going to be a producer and will he, he's being drafted as an RB4. He's going to, uh, you know, outproduce that that ADP uh, if healthy. No problem. I, I, I'm sign me up for that all day long. 
And he's not one of these guys that's going to, you know, kill you one week and then the next week he'll be really good like Chris Thompson. He's a guy who every single week he gets out there and he plays good football. He catches a lot of passes. 70 plus last year, one of four running backs with over 70. I was I was forced to reevaluate that situation when Duke Johnson got extended because uh, I was actually low on Duke Johnson. And, I, and one of the one of the articles I wrote recently was uh, expert consensus versus ADP. He had the largest gap and it wasn't even close. Like there was a, a 24 or 22 spot difference between the public and the experts. And that's just among running backs. My my issue with Duke Johnson that I, I mean, I think it's a different team that we're looking at. Tyrod Taylor is not going to throw the ball like they did 574 times last year. There's a lot more talent in this roster. I think Jarvis Landry eats up some of those targets. Carlos Hyde obviously showed the ability. I'm not a big Carlos Hyde pass catcher type fan, but I still do think he gets, you know, 25, 30 targets in the passing game. I just think that the volume is going to go down. So I, I think there's actually, and I think I said it in my article is that I think it's somewhere in between where like experts are really high on him, whereas the the consensus is low. I think there's a, I think there's a middle ground here, but I am going to be forced to go back and look at it um, because, you know, when they extend his contract, it obviously tells me that they do want him part of the long-term plan. So they're going to use him. All right, Dags, who's your last guy, man? I'm just going to name Jamison Crowder. Uh, he's currently the number 45 wide receiver. I don't know if people realize that he's been the top. He's been a top 40 wide receiver the last two years, and that's with a, a really bad start to last year. Uh, the thing is, I think people are carrying that and saying he was so bad for parts last year. Uh, but the thing is, I, I believe he was injured early in the season. We talked about it on the show that he just didn't look the same. And as the year went on, Jamison Crowder got better and better. We've talked about in the show how Alex Smith, that chemistry between those two, I expected to see it very soon. And early reports out of practice are that Alex Smith is favoring Jamison Crowder in the red zone. And we've seen him score a lot of touchdowns before. So um, as a slot receiver, I think he's one of the safest wide receiver threes you can draft. And as of right now, you're getting him at a wide receiver four cost. I want Jamison Crowder in every single league. Jeff, how do you feel about him? I, I like him. The touchdown thing. He did score touchdowns, obviously, in, in 2016, scored seven of them, just three last year. But the target volume, I think, is intriguing. Uh, 90 plus each of the last two years could see that top 100 once you get into that 100 range as we said uh, that that things start to get interesting for fantasy purposes I think having Alex Smith there actually does help you know it's more in Smith's uh, uh, skill set wheelhouse to have those guys in the short and intermediate areas of the field where he's extremely accurate uh, I, I'm a believer in Josh Doxon though as well so me too I think, you know, if, if given the choice uh, and, and just tossing ADP aside, I would much rather prefer Doxon because of the upside thing. But I, I can't fault, you know, you're getting a guy at a value in a PPR. I'm going to do that. And I have I have some shares in uh, in best ball right now, Jamison Crowder, for that reason. All right, guys, I've got three names. I'm just going to mention two of them. Tyler Lockett. Um, don't be scared about Brandon Marshall. Tyler Lockett is finally healthy. Remember what he did as a rookie. I'm not sure he's quite that agile anymore, but he'll be an interesting one to watch. Uh, for best ball leagues, I'm not drafting Ben Watson in a standard redraft league, but best ball leagues, get him as your second tight end because it's Drew Brees and a tight end, and he's the only guy in the roster. The last player I want to mention, though, is, is Josh Gordon. I don't want Josh Gordon, but his ADP is going to go through the roof as people see him healthy. People just see pictures of him with his shirt off. His ADP is going to go through the roof and just a bad situation. There's too many mouths to feed in Cleveland, which is a weird thing to say. It's very true. It's um, it's tough for me to, to pencil in Gordon for more than like, honestly, like 110 targets like that's 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 close to his ceiling. And that's not going to do it for me for someone being drafted as a top 20 wide receiver. Well, you know, I disagree with that because there's injuries every single year on every single team. And if Gordon's not the one who gets injured, someone else is going to get injured. I think his ceiling for targets is higher. 
but nowhere near where he's being drafted. Well, we can't predict injuries, so I'm saying like... But they do happen. I mean, you have to you have to assume that it's going to happen at some point. But you can't build that in for wide receivers, so you can't say, well, Josh Gordon could be top 20 because anybody really can be if there's enough injuries. But that's what I'm saying. Like, at an all-even level playing field, Josh Gordon, my, my current, actually, I have him at 108 targets, Jarvis Landry at 105. So I, I think that could be flipped either way. Uh, but Josh Gordon, I think he's being overvalued right now, but I, I actually see what you're saying and that people are falling in love with him and they want to move him up draft boards because they remember what happened like four years ago. So Jeff, where are you at on Josh Gordon? Well, I think he's a wide receiver too. And and I think the one thing that we need to, to state here is that I'm operating under the assumption that we're not going to see a ton of Tyrod Taylor this year. So, and I know that you, you'd mentioned that earlier. I, I think you have to make that choice when you make your decision on Josh Gordon. When do we see Baker? And once Baker gets on the field, they are going to be throwing the ball more than they do with with Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, you know, obviously running quarterback and a guy who he to his credit is is not going to make mistakes. But in the same right, that means he's not going to take chances. Right. Baker's going to take chances. So I'm operating under the assumption that we're going to see a, a good bit of Baker. And I think that target ceiling is a lot higher. I think it could be 140 targets as a ceiling for Josh Gordon, which if you're saying you're going to get that with his upside, I don't really have an issue with taking him as your second wide receiver. The Granted, Josh Gordon is one of those guys that everybody loves to love, and his ADP is probably going to be higher than that. So I, I think that's a good take. You mentioned Tyler Lockett, though, and I keep talking about this guy because who else is on that depth chart? I don't think Brandon Marshall even plays this year. Does he make the roster? Yeah, that's my take on it uh, based on absolutely nothing, but he's over the hill. Uh, is not going to offer you that much of anything. So then who's on the who's on the depth chart beyond that? Well, I mean, the, the Seahawks say that they're going to run the ball 9,000 times with no offensive line. So that's our answer, right? <laughs> well, they've never had an offensive line, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, Jerron Brown, I mean, Amara Darbo, I, I like him as a player, but he's he's not a fantasy option. I, th- I hope he takes a step forward this year. So there's nobody there other than Doug Baldwin. Even if Brandon Marshall does play, there's nobody there. They don't have Jimmy Graham. They have Ed Dixon and Nick Vanette. Like, there's nobody there. It is a prime situation. And this is a kid as well. We talked about Gallup and how PFF was really high on him. We were extremely high on Tyler Lockett coming into the league. And last year, the lingering effects of the injury, which that injury is still devastating injury. This is good news. And you get him for a bologna sandwich now at the end of the draft. In best ball, I'm all over that. He is an ideal best ball guy. And now the cool thing, too, is that it sounds like they specifically went out and got Penny to get a little help for Tyler Lockett so that he doesn't have to do as much in special teams and he can just focus on being a receiver. I love to hear that, man. Tyler Lockett was so good as a rookie and he's still just 25 years old. All right, Tags, you have anything else to add, man? No, no. I think there was a good conversation. I think we had on a lot of players, talked about a lot of guys that should be moving up draft boards. And uh, man, I'm, I'm excited. After, I'm still I'm still like um, on a high off of what Jeff said at the beginning of the show is that we're uh, know, less man. than 90 <laughs> days out from the start of the season. That makes me happy. Yeah, that was a fun show. And it's, it's always great to have Jeff on. I always learn so much. And I know our listeners appreciate it, too. We always get a lot of kind words when we have Jeff on. So, Jeff, thank you for coming on the show. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. And for those of you listening at home, remember you can get 20% off TibbsJerky.com if you enter the promo code FANTASYPROS. It is very good jerky. It's real food, great flavors. And also remember Draft.com. If you go to FantasyPros.com slash offer, deposit $10, you can play for real money and you get a six-month free subscription to Fantasy Pros at our highest premium tier. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. 
Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.